The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented, of course, as always by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive line. By the way, it would be really weird if somebody else hosted the Ross Tucker football podcast, wouldn't it? I am Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, Washington, Dallas, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland. Now I get to just talk about football for a living, which is great, in large part thanks to you and those of you that go the extra mile. It's Thursday, which means A, we got Greg Cosell, and B, tomorrow I'm giving out winners. Someone that spreads the word via social media, at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. I get great pleasure from being in my office right here signing an autograph, sending it to you in the mail. I, I don't have anybody else to do it. It's just me. It might take me a month, but I'll do it. Spread the word via social media. Best way to do that is to rate and review the show on Spotify or Apple and then send me a screenshot, ross at rosstucker.com, or just comment or engage with any of the live streams for the show that I know are getting more and more popular. Then we've got the sponsor confirmation email winner. Pretty easy, right? westshorehome.com slash Ross, the free estimate, or get the best Valentine's Day gift you could ever get someone at myfrontpagestory.com. Either one of those are going to be the winner the next couple weeks. I'm telling you that much right now. YouTube shout out, always cool. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Check it out. You can see all the people that you hear all the time, see them in video, see the highlight clips of the shows, the other shows. Maybe you don't listen to the other shows. You can see the best of the best with the highlight clips. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Patron of the day, Andrew Ducote. D-U-C-O-T-E. Welcome to the family, Andrew. Patreon.com slash RT Media. The best place to see all of Fezzik's bets and my bets for the Super Bowl. Patreon.com slash RT Media. It's big show time. The Big Show. Okay, Greg, let's do this. 
We're coming down to the end now. Not too many games left to break down, including just one. But conference championship games are a big deal. So I've got questions, and I'm hoping you have answers. Let's start with the game I was on the sideline for, the AFC championship game. Now, Mike McDonald, who I might ask you about later, just got the Seahawks head coaching job, had an incredible year. What did you see in particular, Greg, on the first two Chiefs drives? Because they marched 86 yards, 75 yards, two touchdowns. They were running it pretty effectively. Obviously, Mahomes to Kelsey was magical. Was there something there where Andy Reid kind of had a had a jump on McDonald those first two series that you noticed. Well, well, I, I again, I can speak to what the tape showed as far as the Chiefs approach. Their pass game approach was for Mahomes to play with timing and stay in rhythm. It was all quick games to sustaining throws. You probably saw that right away, those quick screens. Get the ball out of his hands. Not allow any pressure to become a factor at all. Play sustaining football. Um, you know, Mahomes was not waiting, and they weren't calling plays down the field. They were, they were not looking for Mahomes to be in the pocket for very long at all. And they had some success with it. Obviously, they went for that fourth down, and that was a great play by Mahomes because that is not the design of the play to throw it to Kelsey in the middle of the field. That was probably the third option on the play because they've run that play numerous times in short yardage, and he's not the option at all. Um, And they had some success running the ball early. Um, You know, we've talked about Pacheco, particularly over the last two months of the season. You know, he's a downhill runner, gap scheme runner, trap runner. You know, he attacks. That's the way they ran. Uh, and I think, quite frankly, the Ravens were trying to figure out what their best personnel package was um, against the Chiefs' multiple tight end sets. You sort of have to figure that out. You have a thought going in, but then you have to try to figure that out as the game goes on uh, because the Chiefs really have evolved throughout the course of this season into a multiple tight end personnel offense. They play meaningful, meaningful snaps out of 12 with two tight ends and 13 with three tight ends. And you have to decide how you want to play that. Okay. So then after those first two touchdown drives for the Chiefs, the the Chiefs only got three points the rest of the game. Did you notice adjustments by Mike McDonald, Greg. What what changed from the first two drives where the Chiefs went up and down the field for two touchdowns to the rest of the game where the Chiefs only got a field goal? And even that field goal, Greg, was after the Van Noy and Travis Jones penalties. Correct. Um, I would say they played the run much better. They started to dominate up front. Um, this was, by the way, this was not a great game for Trey Smith. He's a very good player, but he did not have a really strong game, and he got handled a bit in one-on-one matchups. Uh, uh, Justin Matabuke became a dominant, dominant force. I thought that the two linebackers started to get uh, Smith and Queen, who are both really good players, started to get a really good feel for the run game, and their key and diagnose was so good. They, they, they were getting clean in the hole. They could not get blocked. The Chiefs were really struggling with their run game. You probably saw this, uh, Ross. They could not get them blocked in the run game. And then, of course, you had Kyle Hamilton, who was just making great plays all over the field. Uh, And the pass game pressure became a big, big uh, 
issue. Normally, people say you, you don't blitz Mahomes, you know, in the Chiefs pass game because he's had phenomenal success in his career. This was one of the few games in which Mahomes and the Chiefs passing game did not have much success versus pressure at all. And the Ravens did not pressure a high, high percentage, but when they did, they really caused problems. Keep in mind, in the second half of this game, the Chiefs only had 98 yards of total offense, and 32 of those came on that final play to Valdez Scaling. So up until that point, they had 66 yards of total offense in the second half. They could not run the ball, and Mahomes was under constant pressure. Wow. Um, what about the other side of the ball? Because that was the one that's maybe gotten the most attention. Yeah. And that's... Uh, really the the battle of the brains between Todd Munkin and Steve Spagnuolo. What everybody wants to know, Greg, and maybe you noticed something, maybe you didn't. It felt like a lot of gun and a lot of drop back pass yeah. from the Ravens. It didn't feel like, you know, they obviously didn't run it very much with their backs, especially Gus Edwards. There were not a lot of designed runs. And even the passing game, it didn't seem like it was – there was a lot of quick answers. Either no. that or Lamar wasn't seeing it. So what did you see? Yeah, and, and again, you know, I'm not one – and, you know, you know, we're, we're all on Twitter, on social media because we have to be. I'm not one who uh, pretends to know more than the coaches. You know, I'm a process guy. When I see something like that, and I'll tell you a little more in a second, that's where I would love to be in the meetings leading up because they obviously felt that what they did was the right approach. Now, keep one thing in mind. It's easy to say they didn't run the ball. The thing that struck me more than that when I watched the tape was how much they played out of 11 personnel, meaning three wide receivers on the field. 63% of their snaps. That's not what the Ravens have done all throughout the season. They have been a a heavy, heavy, high percentage base personnel offense, whether it's two tight ends, whether it's Patrick Ricard, they've been a heavy base personnel offense. And that's why I would love to have been a fly on the wall during the meetings, because those guys are smarter than I am. They know about, more about their team and the opponent than I do. So they obviously felt this was the, the right way to attack, attack the Chiefs defense. Now, I will say this. The Chiefs did line up in heavy run front, run defense fronts. They had a lot of five-man fronts reduced where you had a zero technique, you know, a defensive tackle right over the center. You had two, three techniques. I mean, it's tough to run inside against that. Now, I'm not saying you should never do it, and I know it's easy for people to say, oh, no, you still have to run it. Look, that we can have that debate for the next hour, and we're not going to. But they clearly felt that that was not the best way to play. Now, and because it didn't work, it's easy to say that it was a terrible game plan and they're stupid. I'm not going to go there. I can only tell you what the tape showed, and obviously they chose to play a certain way based on a lot of hours of work, and it didn't work, clearly. So I might be able to provide a little bit of insight to that um, in the sense that before the game, Greg, I asked... Todd Munkin about Mark Andrews and I just said you know will he be limited at all or is he full go and he said he's full go but um you know you probably won't see a ton of 12 
You probably won't see him a ton of 12 with him and likely because we want to limit his reps. There you go. So they went into it. Now, what's interesting about that is they still would do a lot of 12 with likely and Kohler or 21 with Ricard and likely when Andrews was out. But it's like Andrews was available. So I was thinking more 12 with Andrews and likely. But Munkin said, he said he's full throttle, full go, meaning they didn't have limitation on what they were going to ask him to do, but they were going to limit his reps a little bit. Yeah. And they did limit his reps. He wasn't out there all the time. And so, you know, Munkin even said they weren't going to be in a ton of 12 personnel with both likely and Andrews out there before the game, which I thought was was interesting. I mean, yeah, that's and, the mindset they had going into the game. Yeah, and there's always reasons why coaches do things, and it doesn't always work. You know, keep in mind, I know they played Ricard a lot during the season, and we know they've, they had a good offense during the season. But the reality is when you play with Ricard, and you know this, Ross, you're essentially playing with four eligible receivers, not five. Okay? Now, I know people listening can say, yeah, but that's what they did all season, and they averaged a lot of points. That's true. But they also were playing a really good defense that does a lot of things. And maybe they felt, or they clearly felt, because this is what they did, that they needed five eligibles, not four. Because Ricard's not a factor in the pass game at all. Love talking with my guy, Greg Cosell. Love eating DoorDash. This weekend, I don't know what you're going to watch because there's no NFL football. Maybe the Senior Bowl. At any rate... Whatever you're doing, order in on DoorDash. Now you can root for my even money bets, your even money bets, while your food and drinks are on the way. That means burgers, chips, dips, soda, pizza, wings, so much more. And it's, of course, delivered straight to your door. I want to make sure we have time for the NFC Championship game, uh, Greg. Let's start with the first half. Holy crap. Yeah. I I mean, that was absolutely a dominating performance by the Lions, really both sides of the ball. I mean, Purdy looked bad. The Lions were running all over him. It it really is remarkable to watch that first half and see that the other teams, like the other team won the game. I know. It's it's funny you say that. I'm just thinking, wow, there's no way, because they were being physically handled. And, And normally when you're physically handling a team, that doesn't change. It's not as if they beat him with a couple of cool plays. They were physically handling them. The interior of the 49ers D line was getting moved in the run game. That allowed the Lions to control the early possessions. It allowed them to run a lot of plays, and it dictated the pace and tempo of the game. You know, you're an offensive lineman. When you are running the ball and moving people, I mean, that's that that's the way you, you'd love to be able to play. And also, the 49ers got hurt a lot in their zone coverage concepts in the first half by the Lions passing game because Ben Johnson is a master at attacking zone coverage with his route concepts and the spacing. So they, they were getting hurt in all, all areas. Did something change on that side of the ball in the second half? I mean, you know, obviously they weren't running the ball as effectively, but they were still moving it. And then Reynolds would drop a pass two series in a row to end the series. And Gibbs had the fumble. It almost felt like the Lions didn't really, they didn't have the chance to kind of sustain drives in the second half. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, 
you start then getting into individual plays. As you get closer to the end of a game, individual plays become more significant as opposed to an overall game plan. So when you see Reynolds drop the fourth down play, when you see him drop that third and nine on the crosser, which would have been a big play in the game, um, and obviously the Gibbs fumble when he went the wrong way. you know. And, and look, there's no question that that long pass to Ayuk was lucky and a fluke. So, you know, you start talking about individual plays, um, but, you know, did, and I thought one thing I did think, and I think this is something Kyle Shanahan normally does, I thought he stayed with the run game. And, and I, you know, and, and look, they started the first drive of the third quarter. They ran the football. Okay. He stayed with the run game. McCaffrey ended up with 20 carries in a game in which they were, you know, clearly down, uh, you know, 24 seven, I believe it was uh, going into the third quarter. And I think that was important because that's who they are. You know, they're a sustaining offense. You know, their big plays come off, um, run after catch, not because Purdy is driving the ball, you know, 25, 30 yards down the field. That's not Purdy's game at all. And quite frankly, I didn't think Purdy played that well. He ended up making a lot of critical plays with his legs, and I think that was unexpected as well. You know, he's not unathletic, as you know, but you don't expect him to make those kinds of plays. But he missed a lot of things. When I say missed, he didn't turn the ball loose within the context of their timing and rhythm pass game. And I guarantee Kyle Shanahan was not thrilled with that because that is really foundationally what they need to do because that's how they sustain offense. They use the run game and they use those quick rhythm throws. That's their offense. Boy, a lot of good stuff there, Greg. Um, I guess I feel like I want to ask you this, and I know we don't normally get into this stuff. I'm just curious about your opinion. Um, do you have an opinion, Greg, on, on the fourth down decisions by Dan Campbell? I know that's not watching the tape and breaking yeah. down the X's and O's, but you're a smart guy, and we've seen a lot more people. Well, I appreciate going. that. I, tr- I try to be anyway once in a while, Ross. Yeah, a lot more people <laughs> are going for a fourth down. I see you're wearing your Lions blue sweatshirt there, so you obviously <laughs> approve of. Uh, just curious, your your thoughts on, on that. I wrote my article this week for the yeah. 33rd team about Greg, there were more fourth down attempts this regular season than we've ever seen for more higher conversion percentage from further to go. I mean, just curious your opinion. You know, this is not a cop-out, okay? And people are going to think it's a cop-out, and I know there were really strong opinions by really smart people in our business, you know, who obviously thought it was horrible. I really don't get into that for this reason. And maybe, you know, like I said, people listening now could say, oh, you're an idiot, and that's fine. But, you know, I always assume, believe it or not, because I know what I do, Ross, and I know how many hours I put in watching tape, so I know what teams do. So I always assume that there's valid reasons why teams do things, that these are not random things that they choose to do, that it's not, oh, okay, on a whim, let's just do this. I assume that these things are well thought out. Yeah, could some things be spur of the moment? But it's spur of the moment with the foundation based on everything you've done. It's not just totally random. So I actually take the approach, believe it or not, because I know a lot of coaches that, you know, they kind of know what they're doing when they work 16, 17 hours a day all year round doing this kind of stuff. So I don't, my gut reaction to plays that whether I agree or disagree, like, hey, when I'm sitting at home watching a game, do I say to myself, hey, I'd kick the field goal. But I don't view it as an egregious display of ignorance if they don't do that. You know what I'm saying? I view it as there's a reason that they're doing this. 
that I don't know because I'm not involved in the process. So, you know, that's the way I think of it. And I know some people are going to think, well, you know, they were just wrong. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, um, very much agree. My, my, what I said, Greg, is I'm just curious about the process. So that's what I'm curious about. The like, process. I want to know. So fourth and two at the 28, is it just fourth and two at the 28? You know, our numbers say we should go for it rather than kick the field goal. And do the numbers take into account Badgley's an average at best kicker? Do the numbers take into account how much time is left in the game? Right. Do the numbers take into account that the field goal would make it a three-score game? Right. Like, I'm just curious. They all, all these teams, Greg, have their own proprietary models. They're not Correct. all reading from the same uh, book of analytics, you yes. know, like it's a Bible verse, right? Like, <laughs> like they, they all have their own model. I just, I, I would love to know what goes into the model. That, I, I that's the way that. I think of it, Ross. I'm with you on that. I tend to think of it in those terms as opposed to, oh my God, they're idiots. I don't think like that. I think there's a reason they're doing it. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during the whole week when they're going through all these scenarios and trying to figure out each game situation. You know, I mean, look, obviously 27-10 is a whole different animal than 24-10. A three-score game is different than a two-score game because then... The, the possessions get less for the Niners. So I understand both sides, but my immediate reaction isn't to say they're idiots. Real quick, Greg, uh, the Seahawks have a new head coach, Mike yep. McDonald, the Ravens D coordinator. What have you noticed from him the last couple of years? What are the Seahawks getting? Yeah, I mean, I love what he does on defense. Even the year he spent in Michigan, I remember watching their tape because they had a lot of defensive guys coming into the league and saying to myself, wow, Michigan does a lot of cool stuff. And then I go, yeah, Mike McDonald's there. He's an NFL coach. Um, so, I mean, obviously, as, a, as an X and O defensive game planner, I think he's really, really good. I don't know Mike McDonald personally. Um, everything I've read is that he's got a great personality, relates to players exceptionally well. Um, so... You know, I think an infusion of young juice, as it were, for a team like Seattle, which is not a bad team in terms of personnel, is probably a good thing. I mean, I think ultimately, without knowing the individual, I say it seems like a really good hire to me. He is the man. I love talking with him. We will be all in on the Super Bowl next week. Should be fantastic. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Greg is so awesome. Almost as awesome as my new front door that I got yesterday, which was incredible. Westshorehome.com slash Ross. My wife is so happy. Man, I didn't know how involved it was to put a door in. Those guys are good, man. It's a big front door. And I guess we have like bricks involved, so it was complicated. Those guys absolutely crushed it. I don't know if they have the pictures up on my landing page yet, but go check it out, westshorehome.com slash Ross. You can obviously already see what they did with the two upstairs bathrooms, but check it out because there'll be before and after pictures of the door, uh, me and, and pictures of me and the installers, and even a video from me talking about the process. It was great. Westshorehome.com slash Ross. Remember, all you need to be to spread the word winner is get the free estimate. WestYourHome.com slash Ross. Tux takes. All right, Ross. Well, well, you and Greg were just talking about the Seahawks. They hire Ravens defense coordinator Mike McDonald as their next head coach. So it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say I know Mike well, but I talked to him for the first time on a Zoom because I did that Ravens-Cardinals game on CBS this year, Jack. 
And so then before the game, I saw him on the field and talked to him. And then I ran into him again on the field before the AFC Championship game. So I've had two, you know, pretty lengthy, I would say, one-on-one conversations with Mike McDonald. Really impressive. Really, I mean, did not play college football, like dove right into the coaching after high school ball. I I think maybe as a student assistant, wherever he went, I got to look that up. But I'm always respect and and appreciate guys that kind of had to go the long, hard way. They didn't, like, start higher on the ladder because they were a coach. I mean, because they were a player. And we talked a lot actually on Sunday, Jack, about the interviewing process. And, you know, he, if, it, if they had won, he would not have been able to interview in person this week. So like, it makes you wonder, would the Seahawks have still waited for him or not? You know, you just don't know, which by the way, how stupid is that, that you might not wait a week or two to, uh, you know, confirm the guy that you want to hopefully be your coach for, like, the next 10-plus years. You can't wait a week? I mean, the process is still flawed, and I wrote about that last week for the 33rd team. Hopefully you guys check out my articles, because I, I feel like it's the only time I'm, I'm, I'm quote-unquote, using my Princeton. But uh, absolutely check it out. Um, but I, I think Mike McDonald, he's only 36. He's very, very impressive. You know what Mike McDonald should do with his family? They should celebrate, Jack. And they should celebrate with DiGiorno. Because DiGiorno knows that planning a perfect party on a budget isn't easy. You need the best setting, the perfect squad, the ideal eats. Luckily, you're a game-time mastermind. And you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese sauce, other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It is not delivery. It's DiGiorno. Packers hire BCHC. Jeff Hafley is new DC, as their new DC, while the Titans poach DB coach Darren Wilson from the Ravens be their new DC. A lot of acronyms. I enjoyed there. Yeah, really. So uh, <laughs> what's interesting to me there is that Denard Wilson is not staying with the Ravens. Does that mean the Ravens have another in-house guy that they're going to go with? Which would mean that that's two teams in a row, the Eagles and the Ravens, that went with somebody else other than Denard Wilson, which I find interesting. And then the Jeff Halfley thing is a much longer discussion. And Emery and I might talk about it on Monday. It's not a good look for college football that a, that a Power 5 head coach is leaving to be an NFL coordinator. We'll get into that a little bit more later. I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out to MyFrontPageStory.com. You guys I know love. You guys know I love love. So show it. MyFrontPageStory.com. BackOfficeSchedule.com, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sportaculture, and Pizza Boy Brewing.